This is Jonathan Hansen. You're going to be hearing now an interview with Richard Simmons, Men for Nations, that was recorded in 2010. Richard is with the Lord, but the information is very relevant. This is actually day two or the second interview. Enjoy. Welcome to the program, Warning. Today, I continue with my guest, Dick Simmons, founder of Men for Nations. January 11 through January 20, 2010, I went to Washington, D.C. to be with Dick Simmons along with seven other ministers where we interceded six to eight hours a day. The purpose of this mission trip was to intercede on behalf of the nation and to pray that America will not fall under tyranny as it's moving toward socialism or worse. We prayed daily at the home of Dick Simmons, founder of Men for Nations. Right out of the home office, you could see the Capitol building, and we interceded on behalf of the nation. We prayed against the powers coming against the Senate, House of Representatives, the Supreme Court, and the White House. Another program, I'll go into the spirits that are ruling those different branches of government. But right now, I want to get back with this interview with Dick Simmons as fast as I can. I do want to make a comment. God has given me a word for America, as all of you know, if you watch this warning television program, December 24, 1995. The last program, I read one paragraph of the prophecy, and then I read you the bullet points. If you want to read the whole prophecy, look at my website, www.worldministries.org. You can read the prophecy in its entirety. 1998 through 2008, I put these bullet points in the Seattle Times, as well as mentioning it on radio, television, shortwave, and articles ever since. Stock market collapse, nuclear attack, civil unrest, social security collapse, natural disasters, powerful northwest earthquake. Went on talking about the 520 bridge will collapse, Mount Rainier will erupt, earthquakes across America as well as volcanic activity. We did talk about nuclear, biological, and chemical terrorism in different cities throughout America, as well as several attacks. New York, Chicago, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Florida. I flew to New Orleans three times before Katrina, warning about impending judgment on New Orleans, as well as flying seven months before 9-11, speaking not only on television, but nightly at the YWCA for a solid week, talking about judgment falling on America, including skyscrapers falling. Once again, that was right before 9-11. What I want to read you before we get to the interview is a continuation of the prophecy. God continues to bring light as we get closer to the events coming to pass. On 11.52 hours on February 12th, 2009, I saw elephants running, trampling through green grass, fields, and corn crops. At 12.23 hours, as I was meditating on it, I could see the elephants, a herd of elephants, running down people purposely as if they were on assignment. I believe the green grass and the fields with waist-high wheat and barley blowing and the corn crops represent what is going to be released on America. One, I believe the green grass represents the weather, water, sun, snow that will be turned against the USA. Two, I believe the fields with waist-high wheat and barley represent our wealth, industry, imports, exports, housing equity, stocks and bonds, savings, banking, money markets, retail, wholesale businesses, etc. will fail. Three, I believe the corn crops represent 
high buildings and skyscrapers, forest, mountains and rivers, lakes, oceans, all will be affected. Many will be destroyed. Different cities across America will come under attack. Some by terrorists, some by other nations, some by earthquakes and volcanoes and meteorites. Four, weather will turn against us. Wealth will be removed. Much destruction is coming. And only Jesus can stop the judgment. We talked in the last program how? Through intercession and or repentance. Intercession delays judgment, doesn't stop it. Finally, there's got to be repentance. There's got to be a revival, meaning repentance, a turning away from what is causing judgment. Once again, I have with me Dick Simmons. Yesterday, we talked about role of men. What is the role of men in prayer? Why pre-dawn? I asked the question, isn't prayer effective any time of the day? We talked about 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we looked at God's dilemma, what is it? Once again, I have with me Dick Simmons, Men for the Nations. Dick, welcome to the program, Warning. Thank you, Dr. Hanson. God's dilemma, we talked about it, we closed with our program last time. We said, what is God's dilemma? But I want to ask you, where is the nation as far as judgment? There's some chapters in the Bible that give you the progression of God's judgments. One is Isaiah, the uh, third chapter. And if you look at that, you can sort of see the sequencing. And then you ask yourself, where are we in this? I never say that judgment is coming. I say judgment is about to end. The question is, how far along are we? That's exactly right. Then there's another passage in Hosea 5. Do you want to reference those uh, sure. here? Let's go Let's do it. to Isaiah. And to me, Isaiah, I call it the manifesto of the kingdom of God. It's, uh, Jesus quoted from Isaiah more than any other book, 40, yes, yes. over 44 times. But if you take Isaiah 3, you see a progression there. And it starts out by saying, uh, basically, See now, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support. That's economic. Yes. And uh, all supplies of food and all supplies of water. Okay. If something happens, like an electronic device that kills our computer networks and everything, and our transportation, our, our trucks can no longer get the food to the markets, how much food do we have in this country for our population? Two weeks. If things are suddenly stopped, yeah, uh, people are getting hungry quick. That's right. All supplies of food and supplies of water. And then it goes out, the hero, the warrior, the judge, the prophet, the soothsayer, the elder, the captain of 50, the man of rank, the counselor, skilled craftsman, clever enchanters. I will make boys their officials and children will govern over them. Wow. So we're not going to have statesmen. We're going to have children. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to make boys. Immature leadership. Have we had a little recently inexperienced leadership? Totally. That's a judgment. God judges a nation by economic downturn and poor immature leadership. And he says, I'll make boys their officials and mere children will govern them. That's why we need to pray for seasoned, experienced statesmen. That's right. To lead us. And then people will oppress one another. Man against man, neighbor against neighbor, the young will rise up against the old and the base against the honorable. Inner city, urban crisis, gangs, drugs, all of these things in the street. Our youth, our urban crisis and our youth problems is really a judgment against us. That's right. You don't let me rule over you, I'll let your kids rule over you. Yes, yes. That's simple. 
A man will seize one of his brothers in his father's home and say, you have a cloak. You be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruin. Otherwise, it gets so bad that he thinks somebody that has, and notice the people that run for office are the wealthy ones. That's generally. right. That's right. But, uh, but they're going to say, I don't want to have charge of this heap of ruin. I can't do anything with it. But in that day, he will cry out, and I have no remedy. I have no food or clothing in my house. Do not make me a leader over these people. The, the men won't want to lead. Okay, Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. What are we doing in this mocking God in this nation? I look on their faces, testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom, and they do not hide it. Television, Hollywood, woe to them. They have brought this disaster on themselves. Now, it's God says, this is how I'm going to do it, but we really bring the disaster on ourselves. That's right, just, that's right. But right in the midst of all this, there's one positive verse in the whole chapter, and it says, tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Praise the Lord. So don't worry if you're walking Praise uh, the Lord. in obedience to Christ. But woe to the wicked. Disaster will come upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. Youth will oppress my people. Youth. Women rule over them. Wow. Feminism, wow. Uh, hyper-feminism. My, oh, my children, your guides have led you astray. They've turned from the path. And then it says, the Lord takes his place in the court. He rises to judge his people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and the leaders of his people. It is you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. Why do you mean by crushing my people, by grinding the faces of the poor, declares the Lord, Lord Almighty. You're not taking care of the poor. You're leaving it to the government to do. Yes, yes, yes. That's why we're bankrupting our nation is because God's going to have to literally uh, economically uh, bankrupt our nation to get us to go back taking care of the poor. It was said of the early church, they not only took care of their poor, they took care of our poor as well. That's right, that's right. And uh, the selfishness, selfish living is... And then the Lord says, the women of Zion are haughty, walking with outstretched necks, flirting with their eyes, and, and all outfitted in special clothes here and everything. And uh, he, he says he's going to judge. But then he goes down here at the end, the last judgment says, your men will fall by the sword, your warriors in battle. My, my, my. What's the final judgment? It could be a civil war, another civil war. Sure. Sure. And we're right on the verge of that. We're right on the verge of it. The gates of Zion will lament, mourn, destitute. She will sit on the ground. And then going into the fourth chapter here, the last final judgment. In that day, seven women will take hold of one man and say, we will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. My, my, my. Otherwise, he's saying basically how many... Seven women will take care of one man. There'll be seven-tenths of the men will be liquidated, lost, destroyed in a war, killed. That's right. And I tell men, listen, if you don't get out and fight for your families now, you're, God will take you out. In the Civil War, how many died? 600,000. God gave us a chance back then to stop slavery. Yes. Peacefully. And the churches didn't rise to the challenge. That's they, didn't right. want to, they didn't join the abolitionists. They didn't want to. It was the converts of Charles Finney that led the abolition movement. And 
and fought the arguments that eventually led to the end of slavery. But God, in order to stop slavery, had to send us a war. Yeah. And Abraham Lincoln noted the Civil War as a form of an act of judgment on America. Would have been totally unnecessary. That's right. And uh, now, with abortion, we have killed off one-third of our population. That's right. Now, isn't that something, though, how Abraham Lincoln, President Lincoln, as well as so many other leaders in the past, recognized the consequences of sin? But today's leader don't seem to recognize what sin even is, Dick. Yeah. There's, a, you know, I'm Presbyterian, so I'm slow on prophecies, uh, unless you really judge them and you're careful and they're scriptural. But there was a prophecy given three months before Promise Keepers came. A million men came to uh, D.C. Yes. And, uh, and it was given to a, a young man who now has a house of prayer, 724 prayer, right next to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, in a disco, former disco. My, my. And they're having 724 prayer. Rick Ridings is his name. Yes. A very humble brother. But in 3 o'clock in the morning, he got a prophecy that I, to me is one of the strongest prophecies, but yet gives us hope. Shows us what we could expect sure. in light of the scripture that I just read to you. Can I share it? Sure, go ahead. Tell America that my judgment has been pronounced upon it by, for the same root sins of Sodom. They, have, they were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. Ezekiel 16. Yes, yes. These root sins have resulted in such fruit sins as the sin of selling your youth as slaves to Babylon, caring only for yourselves and right now and sacrificing their future to your present. Two, the sin of sacrificing the unborn to Molech upon the altars of convenience and greed. Three, the sin of prostitution, losing all sense of shame and loving immorality to the point of packaging it through your media and making it one of your major national products. Yes. Pumping filth out all over the world, our abominable immorality. Four, the sin of greed, grinding the faces of the poor under the heels of your shoes, snuffing out the dim light as a person would snuff out a cigarette butt. Tell America that because of such root sins and such fruit sins, judgment is coming as soon as they finish filling the bowl to the point of overflowing, and it is very close at this point. That's right. But in my compassion, I'm giving one last chance to America to turn from their love for sin and their lack of the fear of the Lord. This last chance is in the form of a national revival and spiritual awakening. Correct. If their turning is complete, there is hope. I will relent of this judgment, for there is yet one thing in your favor, the spirit of generosity in a small remnant to give of themselves to take my gospel to the nations. If there is a true widespread deep turning allowing me to pull out the roots and not only the fruits, I will relent of the judgment and destruction that I planned on America. But if the turning is only partial, if the awakening is just to a state of drowsiness, only to turn over and go back to sleep again, to return like a dog to its vomit, then I must be consistent with my judgment pronounced upon Sodom and allow the fire of war to cleanse the spirit of defilement of the land. I sent a revival. Here's what's significant. I sent a revival in the late 1850s to give America the opportunity to totally turn from the same Roots of pride, arrogance, and greed, and the fruit sin of slavery. 
There was an awakening, but only to a state of drowsiness, not one allowing me to go to the roots. Therefore, rather than that revival leading into a full turning that would have allowed me to withhold the cup of judgment, it could only serve a lesser purpose. That revival strengthened the remnant to be able to stand as I with a broken heart poured out as I poured out the overflowing cup of judgment in the fires of the Civil War. Even now, as I pour out revival, if you're satisfied only to fill your churches and turn back to your comfortable sleep again, if you do not seek me to reveal and pull out the deep roots, uh, strong roots of evil, then with great sorrow of heart, I will no longer be the oil supplying, feeding the lamp of missions that they have been for so long. I've already raised up other candlesticks, and I will divert the oil of my resources to those that are awake to me and my purposes at the end of the age. I do not need America to accomplish my end-time purposes. I own the earth in all its fullness, and I'm fully able. If this revival does not lead to a full turning to me, seeking me to pull out the evil roots and heal the lamb, then with great sorrow I will be forced to allow overflowing bowl of judgments to be poured out in the fires of war in order to cleanse by fire the defilement of the land. But the partial revival will have served to strengthen the remnant to be able to stand up in the awful baptism of fire. So there is hope. Yes, yes. God is going to give us, everybody's saying there's an awakening coming. I, I, we do. I believe God's going to, but it's going to be short. It's going to be a quick work and cut it. And if we repent... America will continue to be a great nation. If not, we'll be reduced to a third world country. Well, that's exactly right. And whether it's this brother, David Wilkerson, myself, or others, the message is always the same. At the end of this prophecy, I, I quote, to avoid the above, there must be a mighty genuine repentance, as in Nineveh, Jonah 3, 5 through 10, or a powerful spirit of prayer must arise that will result in the mercy and grace of God as Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 18, 23 through 33. There is hope if we meet the conditions of God, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. He'll hear our call, forgive us, and heal our land. If we do not meet the conditions, judgment will continue to fall, and all the prophecies will come to pass. Where are we right now? Well, I, I sense that God has already raised his sword, like in Ezekiel chapter 20 and 21. Yes. When you get to 22, he's... You see his sword raised over the nation of Israel, and then he, he, but he says, I'm looking for a man who will stand in the gap. And Luther got this right in the translation. He said, I'm looking for a man, not to stop the devil, but who will stand, stand in, the, in gap the gap and stop me. That's right. I don't want to judge. That's right. I want to heal. You'll make up your mind by whether or not you really stand before me and plead the, my mercy upon the nation. The last program we covered, you mentioned how 500,000 men, the Lord told you 500,000 men, used to be 100,000 years right. ago, but now it's 500,000 men right. must awake at 4 o'clock a.m. and from 5 to 7 a.m. must intercede on behalf of the nation. 500,000 men. Is that correct, Dick? Right. And we've seen examples of how this has turned nations around and raised them out of the slums and poverty and everything else, like in Korea, men begin to give God first place in their well, life. 500,000 men. How do we get men praying? Well, they need to, be, they need to realize uh, the reason men don't pray, uh, we tend to blame others for evil. 
And the first person we blame is the devil. Well, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, it said that an enemy sowed tares in the wheat field. And, uh, and it says uh, he... And so in a sense, when Christ gave the interpretation of that parable, he said the devil was the one that sowed the tares. So you can, in a sense, you could take that and blame the devil for all the evil around us. But it says the devil did it while men slept. (laughs) While we've been asleep, the men have been asleep and not praying and not obeying and not leading the way and not fighting fighting for their nation. Uh, As I say to men, you know, it says in Timothy that if we pray for our leaders, we will live peaceful, quiet lives in our godliness and holiness. Well, in peacetime, you play with the kids and you and you, you enjoy your family and everything. But in a in a military a war situation, when a nation is being threatened and gasping its last breath, the only loving thing you can do to your family is leave them and go to the battlefield. Yes, and turn the battle. Or they have nothing, no future. No future left. So we need, the men need to fight. They need to realize God's holding them responsible. But uh, the, the other thing is that we tend to blame the sinners. But the Bible says, if my people are called by their name, pray and turn from their selfish ways, I'll heal the land. So we're uh, it. What, how do you recommend them getting started? Well, what I recommend they do is, is we, we challenge them to take, commit themselves to pray together for 21 days okay. at, at the church, at the workplace, or in their neighborhood, wherever they can get together with other men and pray for 21 days, because it takes 21 days to get a habit. Okay. So and, 21 days. And they come together and pray. We have a prayer guide that takes you through the various areas of concern. We pray for the marketplace on Monday. We pray for the... Uh, the executive branches of government on, on Tuesday, and then the legislative branch and the judicial branch. And then we pray for the poor, the needy in the neighborhood and serving uh, people in great need. And then we pray for the family in the schools. And then, then we pray for the church yes, seven yes. days a week. And then we pray for all the nations. And then we have them pray for a neighbor in the neighborhood and a, another family in the church. And they say, wow, there's a lot to pray about. <laughs> And after never, 21 days, then what? Well, after 21 days, uh, the praying together, what happens is they really sense God's presence. Good. And, and they, 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 there's an anointing, and they really encourage one another. And uh, it's a totally new experience. But then it, we suggest only 21 days and reevaluate. Reevaluate. And at that point, uh, those that feel they can handle it maybe commit themselves to go another month. And then at 30 the end, days. At the end of the month, consider, hey, we're, we really got the habit. We're going on this. Let's commit ourselves to, say, three months. 90 days. And then maybe after that, commit themselves for a year. Good. We, we found it takes a long time to get, a, get things moved, turned around. And we've had an experience with young people in D.C. just in the last three years. It's been awesome. We've had a bunch of uh, YWAMers come. We had Lou Engel come. The first, he had 300,000 come to an event prior to the right, 40 days before Bush was reelected. And they fasted for the 40 days. But then they stayed and prayed at the court for the next three years. Good. Uh, appealing to the higher court that God would end abortion and send a revival to America. 21 days to gather together at the church or a, a location that they all gather. But once you get now to... 30 days, uh, then we, where should they Well, pray? we suggest then they consider not 
come meeting every day, but maybe two days a week at, at the church or common meeting place. And then the other days meet with their, at the workplace with their other workmen or by themselves or with their wives and their children and, and with the family. And, and if they have a neighborhood group going with a neighborhood group, but to vary it, but yet pray every morning. We have about 30 seconds. If we need a half a million men praying from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., how do you break that down? Well, we've, what we've done, we've found some software that breaks out the counties on that 500,000. And we can give you the number in your county that would be those that you would have to mobilize to be part of the 500,000. Now, for example, from Whatcom County, which is the most northwest county in the United States, they have about 250,000 people. And that means that they need to have over close to 300 men praying. Good. To do their part. Very good. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, America's in desperate trouble. You've been watching this warning television program for years now. You're also seeing what's going on in the nation as we're losing our freedoms. As laws are being created so you and I can't even talk about sin openly without it be considering a, a hate crime. We need 500,000 men committed to pray. If we don't intercede on behalf of this nation, if we don't see a mighty repentance, your nation will not be the way it is today. You'll be living in a third world country and will be ruled by the beast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.